Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, I am joined by Killian Wright, the CEO of Payment Plus. Killian, you're very welcome to the show. Great to be here, Reen. Looking forward to the chat this morning. Delighted to have you. Um, so typical fashion of the show, we start spending the first couple of minutes getting to know the guests, and then we jump in to the main part of the podcast. No different with you. Um, take me back to your early years. I know you're based in Dublin at the moment. Did you grow up in Dublin? Yeah, grew up in Dublin, Luxite, Dublin. I grew up in Ratfarnham. Good, normal upbringing, as you'd expect over in any part of the world. And uh, yeah, look, close friends, close family, one brother. Um, nice, I suppose, nice, varied background in terms of my parents. Both worked. My mum worked for Erlingus, so we travelled a lot. That was always pretty cool. So we got to see lots of parts of the world. Very lucky to be able to do that. And my dad had his own businesses. So kind of business was always a topic of conversation. Always enjoyed that growing up. Um, so yeah, so look very normal upbringing, you know, in in Ratfarnham, and yep, yeah, so still here. Didn't 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 move that far from it all. So very lucky to be able to still live in the area I grew up with, and still have the same close friends I had growing up as well. So it was good. Very cool, very cool. Nice part of the world. My girlfriend's parents live. Uh, well, the address is Ratfarnham, but it's like next to Hellfire Club, so it's kind of a oh, bit yeah, of Ratfarnham. Okay. I look, I like the I, I run a bit, so I run up the mountains and all that kind of stuff. So it's great to have all of that as well. Mountains, we call the mountains over here, don't we, Rain? But not in the yeah. rest of the world. It wouldn't be more like hills. <laughs> so if you're if you're running up it, it feels like a it feels like a mountain for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's uh, it's good. Nice, nice part of the world. Lots of lots of parks and stuff. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the topics I like to questions I like to ask people is around impact and influence, and it's usually they can point to a number of people, a small group of people who had an impact on their early years that helped them become the person they are today, or just had an impact on the person they've become today acquaintances close friends teachers parents relatives anyone spring to mind for you yeah look i i i'd always go all the way back to uh parents obviously you know i mentioned uh, my mum in Aer Lingus, and i think that gave us an awful lot of uh, a great view of the world because she was always traveling so we we're always you know been introduced to different things going on across the world and had the opportunity to travel then as well with her and they were great adventures because uh, I suppose they were always last minute. It was never really planned, just the way it worked back then. And off we'd go and turn up somewhere and try and, you know, fend for yourself. And we would have done that myself and my brother when we were older, just turn up somewhere and go. And I think that probably gave us a really good foundation that anything's possible, I suppose, from that regard. And as I said, you know, my dad's been in business forever. So uh, that was always fantastic to be able to see what's possible. So definitely, look, you know, family would be the main influence in my life in terms of what's going on there. Um, so yeah, very, very lucky to have had that and to be able to experience all of that. So yeah, I'd say that's the, the big one for me. I'm very proud of that. Obviously growing up, my brother as well, but very close to him. He, he has his own business as well. He's in the motor trades. Uh, so I think the, the apple certainly didn't fall far from the tree in terms of that entrepreneurial spirit. So yeah, so, so that, that, that'd be certainly the big one for, for me growing up. Always would have been involved, though, I guess, you know, in terms of popping down to AIB. I don't know if you know this, Reem, but back in the day when AIB, when they used to own Goodbody for the first time, used to be able to buy stocks in the bank. You used to be able to go to the, to the desk and actually buy stocks. And I've always been doing that as a kid. So I'd pop in and buy a couple of shares in Smurfish or Alfira 
who else back then? I suppose the banks, AIB and Bank of Ireland, were buying in. So I was always interested in stocks and markets and all that kind of stuff growing up. And um, before I really would have had um, money, it would have been pocket money putting it into those. So that was great. And, and geez, that's something I hope the banks can do again with the new ownerships is allow kids to get back in and start investing in it that way. Uh, and obviously things like Revolut and stuff have changed all that. So hopefully there's a new new number of people coming through and it's accessible again in terms of trading and stuff like that. It's a bit of fun. So those types of things would have been my childhood growing up. Lots of sport as well. So look, I think sport's fantastic. Kind of gives you that competitive edge, the team spirit, all those types of things. Uh, so yeah, lots of that as well. So look, just very, very normal. Lots of good influences, but a lot of family influences and very proud of that. Mm. Yeah, have you got a favorite sport? Um, yeah, like I, I, I play a lot of golf. I run. Um, I wouldn't have been a golfer growing up, so I'm a bad golfer. <laughs> so, But I really enjoy that. I like being able to get out and just the social aspect of that is great. Uh, I run with a couple of friends, the good runners, so I tag along with them. Um, would have been very involved with horses and show jumping and eventing growing up as well. So that was always good, but don't do any of that anymore. It takes up an awful lot of time, unfortunately. So I might get back to it someday. But uh, the horses, uh, we would have had a lot of that in our family growing up as well. So that was, that was always a good thing to be able to do. Um, so yeah, so look, it's favourites now, certainly golf and running, but as younger, uh, when I was growing up, would have been the horses. I'll, I'll move on to business in two seconds. You, you said horses and it prompted me to, t- to tell a quick story. Um, I went to secondary school in Rototo, which is where I'm from, and yes, the yes. school wasn't built in time. So we went to secondary school for the first two years on Ferris Racecourse. So like oh, English right. class yeah, was, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. English class could have been the bar, French class could have been like one of the yeah. private suites, but PE was always running a lap of the race course. Of the race course, yeah, keep yeah. it. Yeah, that's a long sure. track. Yeah, so with Tattersills across the road, we would have been eventing mm. over there, um, and we would have kept the horses up and trimmed there. Actually, so not a million miles from Rathout growing up. So yeah, that was uh, so yeah, lots of lot, lots of stuff going on always, and with that, he always travels. That was the thing with the horses, getting up really early in the morning. And as a teenager, that wasn't fun because, you know, that was your Friday night gone to get up at four or five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to go travel for the weekend or whatever. But look, it was good. It was good. Mm. So, yeah. Well, let's rewind the clock to 2001. You were at Data Bank Systems uh, in a sales support role for two years. So, uh, and, and we're going to work our way through your career to get to CEO Payment Plus today. But yeah, we're going to yeah. start at 2001. So from that role, um, just over two years as a sales support role, did you take any, uh, like, what were your key lessons that you took from your time at Databank? Any skills you improved, uh, art of asking questions, building rapport, communication skills? Yeah, look, so, so Databank would have been my dad's business. Um, so he, he sold that in 2003 to Ingenico, and that's how I actually ended up working in Ingenico. So, so I came out of college, look, not the most studious person in the world. So I dropped out of college in second uh, year. I was doing business and accountancy and the accountancy part of it probably wasn't really for me, but actually, ironically, I love numbers and I love P&Ls now. Uh, so it probably just took an extra number of years for all of that to, to kind of come to the fore. But uh, back in 2001, I was just working sales support. You know, back then it was making lots of phone calls, trying to figure out who your customers were, trying to generate leads. It was very much getting in the car and going to see people, building proposals. That was fun, you know, and, and look, remember back then it was just not as connected as it is now. And it's, it's funny to think it was only 2001, but the difference doing business back then and now, it was very much kind of picking up the phone, understanding who your customers are, building up your lead lists and building up proposals and trying to, to build projects sometimes with businesses, you know, convince them to do something. So, so that was very formative, very, very good. 
Um, obviously, I'd worked there a long time because of summer holidays and working there in the business and whatever uh, as, as I was growing up, which was great. So I would have known everybody. And uh, so that made it a little bit easier. And then obviously that business was sold in 2003. And that's how I moved into Ingenico. So I kind of got sold with the kitchen sink, so to speak. Um, so, so off I went in there and, and Genico was a real learning curve for me because suddenly that was a multinational and I was just an employee of a very, very large business, a great business of an awful lot of, uh, time for the Ingenico business. It was very, very good to me. I really enjoyed working there for, for the number of years I, I left that in 2013. Um, so when I was there in 2003, when they bought us uh, again in the junior sales role, I ended up in 2005 then, Reen, as you can see from that, uh, moving into a GM role. Uh, so, mm. so I was running the Irish business. So very quickly, I ended up uh, running the Irish operations uh, for Ingenico. And we had some pretty big customers over here, including AIB, uh, bank and so on, providing all their credit and debit cards, uh, terminals and the software. So I was responsible for all of that. So I would say really thrown in at the deep end back in 2005, because suddenly I had to become very organized. I had to figure out, you know, what is a budget? What are the P&Ls? How does all of this work? I was in my early 20s. So, yeah, a lot of support from that business, a lot of trust in me, which, which I, it's probably unlikely to get those things again these days. But, but I think back then there was very much a, a sense that I think that person can do the job. Let's support them to do it. Uh, I'm not sure that's the way the world works anymore. So I was very lucky to get that opportunity back then in terms of just being able to take a take a they had an awful lot of faith in me, I think, for my age. And uh, it worked out uh, quite, quite successfully. So delighted with that, obviously, back then um, and been in my early 20s. So from there, back probably about 2008, I moved into a group role uh, within Genico. So I moved over to a, a role based out of Paris, which was their head office. And I was very lucky to be part of the business as it was really growing internationally and globally. So I ended up taking on a couple of roles around global business development, partnership development, getting to work with amazing businesses like PayPal and Visa, Amex, like the, the biggest companies uh, in the world in terms of payments and some of the biggest companies in the world. But in terms of the payment ecosystem, they would certainly be the leaders. So just getting to explore new things. And I remember, you know, getting to go to places like San Francisco for the first time and going into the Google offices before Google was as big here nearly and been able to walk around their campuses and just seeing the difference between how, how that was working over there and what was happening here. So, again, that was a very exciting time. Uh, back then, been able to move into those kind of global business development roles. And look, I'm a salesperson through and through. That's where I've grown up. That's where I've formed uh, an awful lot of um, my experience. And I, I really love seeing people, you know, that, that human to human interaction. Zoom and all that is fantastic. But it'd be great to be doing this in person in a room as well. Sure. Really. And, and I think there's an awful lot to be had for that. So I always enjoyed that uh, part of my role, being able to go abroad. And that goes back to my childhood as well, being able to jump on a plane turn up somewhere and go meet someone. I was very, very happy doing that always. I like traveling. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. You, you, you were in like a, a sales role in your father's business data bank. And then in, in Genico, you s said you started out in the GM role and worked into different roles, um, assuming some of the management led roles. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of success there in, in your early years. Um, can you pinpoint one or two things that you felt you did well um, that contributed to the growth of that company? And if so, what are they? 
Yeah, look, so so yeah, my, my roles were varied. Like some of them were pure business developments um, and that was trying to just take new ideas and sell them out. I was working on mobile wallets before Apple Pay and Google Pay became the common in terms of how would we do this? How would we roll it out internationally uh, with Google, with Apple? And they had very clear strategies. But back then it wasn't very clear in terms of how you would accept them on the, par- on the card terminals and what else you could do with them. And I was trying to figure out things like that from a commercial aspect. Um, so, you know, they, they would have been very uh, exciting and, and huge international progr- projects, which you were working on. The second area, I suppose, in terms of, you know, what, what I've been very proud of is the, the rollout in the early stages of all the chip and pins. So chip and pin in the Irish market only really started in 2004. And so that was moving from the Magstripe card to the pin uh, based smart card. And all of that would have started with some of the contracts, which my dad, my dad's business would have secured back in 2002, 2003, and getting the first devices out with AIB Bank uh, in those uh, years. So that was very exciting. Moving back before that, you know, even back into my dad's business in the 90s, they would have been doing the mobile phone top up for Unpost and the terminals that supported all of that. And I remember being part of the presentation teams going into Vodafone and, you know, working there. Uh, pretty much part-time summer but still been getting the chance to go in and set up the kit do the demos and all that was very exciting so it's been so varied in terms of those experiences Rain. i wouldn't be able to put my finger on one thing but certainly the exciting things around the mobile wallets chip and pin you know and even going back earlier to things like mobile phone top up it was it was all very new and very exciting so yeah so good 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 times today you are the ceo of payment plus rather than me give the 30 second commercial uh, you'll do a much better job at it. So I'll hand the mic to you. Yeah, great. So look, in, in 2013, uh, I moved over to Payment Plus and, and that was on the back of some conversations myself and my dad had had back in 2011. So I was doing really well on Ingenico, as was gone through. Um, and, but I was living out of a suitcase and I was traveling all the time and, and I love travel, but I was kind of thinking longer term and uh, my dad was uh, happy to have a look at uh, another business. So he went off and set up Payment Plus um, and he got the first 80 customers up and running. Uh, he figured out there was money to be made in this. So in 2013, I handed in my notice and moved over to Payment Plus uh, July. Um, so uh, in 2013, the 4th of July, actually, Independence Day, so very apt as well um, for that move back over to Payment Plus. So in 2013, um, with Payment Plus, there was in its infancy, it was only myself, John, and, and one other person working in the business. And today that business now is 30 people. Uh, we process 1.25 billion of card wow. payments a year. We have over 10,000 terminals deployed in Ireland and the UK. And that's about 5,000 retail locations across both markets. And uh, we're growing um, substantially year on year. So it's been very, very exciting, um, Reen. Um, we are in pharmacies, we're in motor garages, uh, it's the credit card terminals that you tap to pay, you know, that's what we provide and the account mm. which process the payments. So we, we very much pride ourselves on the service we provide, um, number one. But secondly, it's cost. So we are a much lower cost model to the traditional banks and it's all around service though. So we will provide a better service. Uh, we've got a fantastic team and that's the reason Payment Plus is successful. You know, there's a team of 30 people in there and the success is built on their successes and how they've approached the business. So super proud of that. So so Payment Plus is a fantastic business. Uh, it's growing, growing in Ireland and the UK. 
Um, also during that time though, in 2015, I, myself and David Fitzsimons from Retail Excellence, he was previously with Retail Excellence, previously CEO of Retail Excellence, set up and founded the MeTU gift card. So Payment Plus um, and uh, Retail Excellence and David, we all agreed to set this up. And today now, that's the, the number two challenger brand in Ireland um, against One for All, been obviously the market leader, but MeTU is certainly holding its own and growing uh, very, very strongly year on year. And the idea of that is that it's a multi-store gift card. It can be used in places like Tesco. It can be used in Brown Thomas and Arnott. It's got a wide variety of outlets, which you're able to use that within. And again, that business is doing, doing, doing very well, led by our um, MD up there, John Wall, uh, who I've known for a long time. He's been in payments for a long time as well. So again, that team up there is doing a fantastic job um, with that product. I'm, I'm sure everyone knows this, and I'll leave links to it below, but an employee can uh, give 500 euro tax-free gift card to uh, an employer, can give it to an employee every 12 months, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's right. The small benefit exemption from the revenue. Uh, so everybody is entitled to up to 500 euros uh, tax-free uh, annually. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great incentive. And especially at the moment, we're seeing an awful lot of businesses are rewarding staff because we're working unusual hours, you know, we're not seeing each other, we're not getting the events we normally would to go out and socialize. So an awful lot of businesses using the MeTU gift card to reward their staff. And we've got tools to allow businesses to, to manage the rewards where employees can log on and, and create um, benefits and, uh, you know, help, help manage that giving experience. So that's been hugely strong with a lot of our corporate customers. So that's been, that's been very exciting. Mm. And I'll, I'll leave links to that below if anyone, whether you're watching or listening, yeah, just great. click on to the website. Um, a couple of questions around Payment Plus. Um, you, you've, you've mentioned the statistics, you know, 5,000 plus customers, um, 1.2 billion in payment processes annually. Some of your clients or logos that I've found, Paddy Power, Mr. Price, Frankie and BMW. Uh, my, why might someone join that growing list of 5,000 plus customers? Is there something that you think potential customers should pay attention to when picking a vendor yeah look i think you know it's like anything in business there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of things we're all busy at every day and sometimes payments are put down that that list of priorities and the banks have traditionally not serviced that side of uh, their customers business i suppose as commercially as aggressively as they could so we've been very good at going in and providing a full review of that business, how they operate, how they take payments, because businesses are trying to go online, they're trying to take payments over the phone securely, they're trying to take payments efficiently in store by using mobile phone, wallets, all that kind of uh, technology starting to come to the fore, especially with COVID. So um, yeah, so I think businesses generally were able to go in and show them that there's a huge amount of savings because they've been underserviced. But also in terms of the support and the quality of the service which they provide, um, we're just there's no one else in the market uh, like us that can provide that, and that's allowed us mm. to win business, like you mentioned with Frank Keen or Paddy Power, and to retain it. Reen, most importantly, so not only did we win it, but we managed to retain it year and year. So again, that's been a fantastic, uh, I suppose, compliment to our business to our team, and um, it just shows how good it is that those customers stay with us for as long as they do. With your CEO hat on. Um... If a young kid came up to you, you know, just left university, you're thinking of not going to university and starting a, his own or her own fintech business, um, what potential blind spots would you say that they should pay attention to or watch out for that if they're not careful could 
slow the progress or growth of the business or perhaps even kill their business now that you've been in this world for several years? Yeah, look, every business is different. So, you know, it's it's hard to give a one size fits all bit of advice. But the thing I would say is that you, you need to find a team of people that you can trust and rely on because you can't do it all yourself. You absolutely can't grow a business yourself. You need to be able to delegate. You need to be able to organize yourself to be able to decide what are the key priorities because there's so much coming at you when you're starting a business. So what, what are the things that are important to the success of that business? Um, there's obviously two trains of thought in, ter- in terms of establishing a business and growing a business. Some businesses get funded and therefore they burn cash and they don't need to make money. But I am a great believer in generating a cash positive business as early as you can because that takes the pressure off. It might be a slower growth trajectory because you make decisions around cash generation, but it gives you a longer stable base to grow that business. And that's the model I like. Um, so I, I think there's, there's a couple of things out there, but I think most importantly, it's team. Hire the right people. Don't be afraid to delegate. Um, and I think that's always been a key thing for, for me and, and haven't always got it right. But I think that's certainly the philosophy. And the second thing I like is cash generative uh, decisions. So how are you going to generate cash and pay the bills? Because if you don't get to that point, your funders will eventually dry out. You know, that won't always stay like that forever. You need to eventually start generating that revenue and cash. One of the talk topics I had a discussion with a friend over the weekend was around because we're both business owners and it was around the illusion of freedom. Do you have actual real freedom as a business owner or do you have the illusion of freedom? So for you, have you got a favorite aspect of, of being your own boss? Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I suppose I, I like the time to think. So, so yeah, like, are, are you free? I, I suppose that's a, that's a philosophical debate, isn't it? Because you, as a business owner, you're always thinking of your business. I, I mm. think there's always something going on. And, you know, I, I used to go, I'll give you an example, I used to go running uh, with, you know, music and I'd be listening to Spotify and I stopped doing that because I was like, there was so much going on in my world that I was like, you know what, when I go for a run, I like to have a bit of free time, <laughs> if that makes sense. And sometimes you might go for a run and just enjoy the view from the top of uh, the Dublin mountains, or you might go for a run and think about something you're working on a business, but you make that decision as the, the, the run is unfolding. So I, I think that's been something which I've really enjoyed uh, is the ability to take time out to think about what you want to do and the strategy. Um, I suppose the other thing, um, I'm going to go back to the team. It's the team, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, being a business owner, it's putting together a group of people who are very good at what they do. They're generally better in some aspects of uh, their job and their role than I am in mine. And and, and, and and I'm generally proud and uh, you know, highly complimentary of them and the successes they've had within the business. And I think that's hugely important. So, so I think they're the things probably I would take away uh, in, that, uh, in that area. In. Have you got your own personal definition of what success means to you? Um, I, yeah, I, I, I do. I think, you know, look, as we're younger, we all want to make money and, you know, isn't it great looking at everything else going on out in the world and all these businesses doing well, and, you know, Elon Musk is going to Mars and all that. I think once you can go home at night or wherever it is, you know, and you're, you're happy that you've done a good job, you're able to afford the lifestyle you live, you know, you're not putting too much pressure on yourself. 
I think they'd be the big ones for me getting time to enjoy with my family um, because you know they're the they're, they're the they're the years you don't get back I guess you know as kids get older and everything um, in my case so so yeah so I think it's those types of things which I'd probably um, look to the most um, so yeah now, now that you try to mature a little bit get a little bit older it's that I think the family aspect of things is probably far far, far more important two or three final questions for you Killian um is there a skill that when you started out in your career, you can say or acknowledge that you weren't as great as you are today at, you've improved on over time. Um, uh, one that was critical to improve on if you wanted to thrive in business. So if I re-ask that, like, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there a skill that when you started out in your career, you weren't as great at, but you've improved on uh, over the years? Yeah, I, I, I suppose we, we, we all learn. I was probably uh, my, my younger self very quick to um, make decisions where some things probably needed a little bit more time. It's uh, a considerist very quick to, to come up with an answer to something. So I think as time has gone on, I, I, that experience has grown, I guess. So you, you've probably seen a lot of the things coming your way so you can have a, 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 good, a good handle on that. So look, I think experience and time to think again would be the big ones in terms of uh those those questions Reem. but I, like i suppose if i was going to say to someone as well in terms of the attributes i would see str- most important now would be around kind of that communication piece i think communication and setting setting expectations are probably two of the most important things you can do in business no matter what size of company you work in because if you have a project you're working on, if you have something you're trying to do in the business, I mean, these are the things I always try to work on is that you would very, very clearly set out what it is you're trying to do, communicate that out to everyone you're working with, get the buy-in of the business. And if it goes well, fantastic. If it goes badly, you're able to turn around to the business and say, well, look, these are the expectations we set at the start. We stuck to them and it didn't work out and we all bought into it. And I think you're always able to generate some level of success with that approach. So things like that, I, I would say I've gotten better at over the years. Um, but certainly, I think um, not been as uh, quick to make decisions in the early parts of my career certainly would have would have helped some things. Second last question for you is if you had the final decision making power to add a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum that's not on it currently, what would it be and why? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, life experiences are huge. Um, as I said, look, I wasn't the most studious um, in, 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 my for, in my formative years growing up. Um, so I certainly would have gained an awful lot of my knowledge from been out there doing things and experience things and learning it. And, and probably, um, I would say, some level of um, more business related real world activity uh, I know fourth year students get an awful lot of time to to work through those things um, today and to do job placements and whatever and I think there could be more um, focus on that um, and not just in fourth year I think you know fifth and sixth year um, would certainly benefit from an awful lot of that real world environment because it's hard to know when you're that age what it is you want to do mm. um, you know it's very very difficult to make that decision so unless you've gone through that fourth year environment, you probably have no experience of that. So I would say more of that real world experience and job placements will be a very, very strong to sing, strong thing to see uh, for students. I'd like you to imagine it's the year 2030 
um, we're talking as if it's the year 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade, you can choose to answer this personally or professionally or, or a combination of both. What would you like to be looking back on if you imagine it's now the year 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, the thing which has always struck me is that, is that how quickly technology moves on. So mm. I think we're going to see an awful lot of digitization of processes. I think an awful lot of the friction we see today um, built around uh, the lack of digitization right across, in Ireland specifically, right across the, the way we interact with government or interact with the financial systems. I think I'd like to see an awful lot more digital um, services been implemented. Things like revolution, stuff like that have shown that there's an awful lot of digital of, of, of capabilities out there. And how do we bring that into the market? So I, I think digitization would be the thing, thing I would look back and probably see most of and like to see most of. Um, so that from the professional aspect, um, that would make a huge difference, I think, to how we all work today and uh, the success of the economy in the future. And then I suppose personally, everyone's well, they're fit, they're healthy, all those wonderful things. Uh, clearly, they're the things you hope for um, in, in the next number of years. So that's, that's kind of where my head would be at, Reen. Gillian Wright, CEO of Payment Plus. It's been an absolute pleasure spending the last 30 minutes getting to know you a little more. And uh, I wish you continued success. Reen, thanks a million. Really enjoyed the chat. It's always good to, to run through those things. And uh, I hope everyone found that interesting. So, yeah, thanks a million. If your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna show you Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, baby Nothing